Yeah, he's like a well-known fucking troublemaker, violent fucking man. He would have shot the shit out of you with that slingshot. Like he would have pretended that was an AK-47 and he would have just pinged the fuck out of you. What's up, nomads? Welcome to your new favorite travel podcast, Two Beers Till Takeoff. The podcast that delivers expert knowledge, the information you won't get in your guidebook, and a story that's guaranteed to make you say what the fuck or your money back. Sid, you know our episodes are free, right? And welcome to episode 11. Oh my God. Seems like we just started yesterday. Yeah, that's a lot of episodes, isn't it? It's 11 more than I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking stoked for this one as well, yeah, because the destination is an absolute hall of famer. Like, grade A. If you're a backpacker, this either should be your number one or should at least be in the argument. And I think for everybody, it, it really is because it delivers on every front. Like, I don't like to just ask slick places and tell you everything about it was great. Anyone who's listened to me would probably say that, yeah, that's a fair statement. But I don't have that much, that many bad things to say about Vietnam. It's fucking, it's awesome. Now that we're doing Vietnam, does that mean that we've completed Southeast Asia? Like we can just skip over that region moving forward? Because <laughs> I think we've done Laos, we've done Thailand, we like we've done a, pretty much all of them. Now, now we just rest of the world. Greenland, Greenland, you're next. <laughs> I think we've done. I think we've done the modern day hippie trail. We probably need to throw in like Cambodia and Myanmar before we can jump over to Greenland. But yeah, I mean we're getting there. So Vietnam today, Re guys. I don't want to. I don't want to. Really thought you were about to just bust out the capital of Greenland. Disappointed you didn't give us that. <laughs> If anybody knows know that, guys, is. no, me neither. That one's got me as well. No fucking idea. Is it Copenhagen? Oh, for fuck's sake. Because it's Denmark territory? Yeah, I know. It's like saying, is, Lon is London the cap of capital of Canada? But without getting in the way of the episode, because this is such a good episode, like Sid said, we're touching on Vietnam today. As it's been known in this podcast, Vietnam is the land of the cheapest beers. It's the land of probably the cheapest travel, too. So in this episode, you can expect that we will we'll let you know if Vietnam is a safe country to travel. We will highlight a lot of the crazy foods that Vietnam has to offer. And guys, get excited because this episode is a double header. Two stories. Expect two bangers because that's what we do. That's all we know how to do. Yes. So let's get to it. So our guest today is a part-time snake charmer. Spent a month working in a fish factory in Finland and once met the Vietnamese Ellen DeGeneres, whoever that is. <laughs> Welcome, John. Nice to have you on. What? What's Hello up, John? boys. Pleasure. Pleasure to be here. All of that was really interesting information to, to, for people to get to know you, but tell us a bit about the snake charmer bit. Not only do you <laughs> charm snakes, you also are known for eating snakes? Yes, yeah, sir. So it was, uh, it was a couple of colleagues of mine, it was their birthday, and funnily enough, our school was really close to the snake village, the only place where it's legal to actually eat snakes. So the where restaurant's like certified Hanoi, Hanoi, Vietnam. I didn't think, that, I didn't think this was Watford. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> bit further away from Elton John territory. <laughs> you gonna sing us a song, Piano Man? And it's been a long, long time. Oh, fuck that. Oh, fuck that's not it. Is that Elton even Elton? John's is that even Elton? I fucked no, up. man, that's Billy Joel. <laughs> <laughs> just lost my passport. Because I'm a guys. rocket man. Save myself. <laughs> Save myself. <laughs> Right, go on with the snake school. But, um, you know, I, I was working at the school and a couple of colleagues of mine decided that's what they wanted to do for their birthday, you know, so there were about 20, 20 of us probably, Vietnamese and international kind of staff that went to the restaurant. Um, and as you walk into the restaurant, uh, you know, it was empty this day. There are a bunch of people waiting for you. And on the right was a box of snakes just waiting there. And obviously, I didn't understand all of the conversations that were had with the Vietnamese staff and the restaurant owners. But in the end, they point to the box. They choose two snakes that they've wanted. Um, they, <laughs> they, they put them into a bag. They have, what you know, those kind of things they have with the hook. And, and you know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. easy to pick up the snake. The snake's kind of trying to bite them. It's kind of sad because I think they know as well. It's their time. <laughs> They put two into a bag, look at us, walk off. The next time you see the snake, it's on your plate. How do you, how did they know which snakes to pick? Very good question. Fangs. See, it's funny. Uh, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting thing you're, you're describing there, Jonathan. And for me, I think we have this, but it's like the same, but like for lobster, you go and pick your lobster. You're like, yeah, I want that one. Big claw. Yeah. It's almost like the same concept. I mean, you where do you draw the line with like, what's, you know, like lobster's quite nice, high class. I can see it being a great restaurant. The snake restaurant is just, it's just obscure. It's strange. Yeah. I, I think that, I, I think that's probably where I draw the line because lobsters sound delicious. Yours with the box of snakes sounds like the start of a Samuel L. Jackson fucking horror movie or something. Snakes on a plate. <laughs> <laughs> These damn motherfucking snakes. <laughs> Where's the big kahuna burger, man? <laughs> um, and they uh. cook it a variety of different ways. So they were quite angry because we had 20 people and I think they wanted us to buy more than two snakes. Um, but we didn't just eat that. But it was strange. You know, they had uh, spring rolls, like snake spring rolls, snake soup. Um, they had snake like... Rolls? <laughs> kind of like you know the skin on i'm a marketing so guy quite like know, maybe. was it just like they had an excess of snakes and therefore everything was snake? like you get the fucking the snake burgers the snake sandwich you get the snake shoes from the gift shop you know it was fun they obviously had their like ways of cooking it so you know there was a little soup there was a little spring rolls um but yeah. also i that day i ate a boiled pigeon <laughs> tasteless pointless <laughs> Pigeon, holy shit, man. Mike Tyson's going to beat the shit out of you. <laughs> Don't touch hey, the pigeon. Just, just boiled. Just boiled. Put on the plate. No flavor. <laughs> just odd, odd meat. And meat. all you can say is, well, I ate a pigeon me, today. Me, oh, me, me, me and Ricky got one. Me and Ricky got one of those. It did not get finished. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Fucking just sat there. It was crap. The amount of, like, trash and, like, random stuff a pigeon eats is, like... Like yeah. I, I, it has to affect the meat, like the taste of like, you know, like tourists gum and like cigarette butts. <laughs> yeah, that was just, it was just, it was just, you know, you know, when you're like, you're accustomed to all of the meat flavors and you're like, that is just a different and odd flavor. Not one I want again. I pretty much just had a bite. 
you know, someone offers it like in Vietnamese, everything is shared. So you kind of in a Vietnamese restaurant, you don't need to worry like, okay, I have the whole pigeon, I have to eat it all or else everyone will be offended. It's like, <laughs> you kind of have a bite of someone's they share it. It's like, okay, that's not for me. That is something I quite like about, you know, sharing culture. If you're not feeling one dish, you can just leave it alone. We got ours in Ho- in Hoi An and there was no fucking regret about leaving it on the table. We were hung over as fuck. Ricky didn't really want it. I was like, man, we got to try it. You're never going to fucking see this again because they had a big sign up. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like fucking 11 a.m. It was like breakfast for us. Uh, it was a fork each and fuck it. I'm going to get a Big Mac. What do you mean you'll never do that? Like, fuck, you can do it. But like, even the homeless people don't do that. Like... <laughs> Yeah, talking about Vietnam, I mean, there are like three or four foods there which are just downright absurd. Like, I would say the snake, and they also have the egg. I don't know if you've seen the egg, which is like a half embryo. Ah. They've got a duck egg, and basically the embryo is half formed. What? This is sick. they eat that. You eat the you eat beak, <laughs> bro. They eat they eat like the embryo, and all of the people in the Vietnam Vietnamese staff were like, John, just get over the weirdness. It tastes great, but I never tried it. I couldn't get over the weirdness. People that like did try it did say it was good. Just close your eyes. But uh, when it came down to it, I, c- I just couldn't do it. Uh, it was one of those which I was just like, I don't, I just don't, I don't is, need Is this. the duck d- developed enough that there's a beak? Yeah, the duck is like half developed, oh. bro. The d- duck is half developed. If you look at the pictures online, like if you, and it, they do it in Cambodia as well, but it's, it's common in Vietnam. And uh, it's, uh, I can't remember the name of it in, in Vietnamese, because like Viet, Viet Lung. Sorry, right. I don't. I don't think we have many of uh, Viet, Vietnamese yeah, listeners, but it's okay. Chong Viet Long. Speaking of people listening at Chong home, I hope Lung. you're all pulling the same faces as me and Phil right now, hearing that like scrunched up with just absolute disgust. <laughs> <laughs> just fucking eat it and like pluck, like plucking the, the shit feathers out of your mouth. In your mouth. And, a, and another one they had. Another one they had. My 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 mate Sam went to Vietnam with another mate they went traveling one of their first meals was in one of these types of restaurants where there was just no pictures on the menu i don't think there was a translation or if there was a translation they didn't check it they just they just they just point and choose this dish and i can't quite remember but it is like basically uh goat blood soup (laughs) and it comes out they have they, they told me they had one bite each, disgusted. Uh, and like, I, I'd barely even seen it on a menu. I knew it existed, but I'd never been anywhere that had it on the menu. But if, if I'm not wrong, it's something like kind of congealed goat blood soup. Oh, my fuck. This is really... Those were like the two I didn't try. I remember when we spoke... Hashtag vampires. <laughs> I remember when we... Hashtag team Edwards. I remember when we spoke about fucking lamb's brain when we had Manny on a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, ah, fuck, you know, as I I was saying to you about the lamb's brain, like it was pretty sick. It was pretty fucked up. It wasn't delicious at all. We've just blown this out of the water, man. Fucking half-formed ducks, congealed vampire goat soup. Like this is fucking awful. Jesus. Can we talk about some nice things about Vietnam now? (laughs) Yeah, man. How, How did you make it to Vietnam? So I was in England. I'd sort of always worked at a little school and you lived at the school and taught English, taught a bit of sports and uh, taught English in England? 
Yeah, it was an international school. So especially in the summer, like people come from all over the world, short time just to learn English. So I was working. When I got, after I graduated uni, I got that qualification and started working there. Didn't really know what to do. I didn't really have anywhere to live. So it was a perfect option for me. I could live and work at the school. So once I was sort of like end of the summer in England, the work is gone if you do this job because everybody goes back to their own country and then it was like okay where do I want to go and one of my best mates was in Vietnam I at the time was like 22 so I was like maybe I should play it safe and just go to Spain it's not very far away and my friend called me and he was like look Vietnam you can work like 18 hours a week and for the cost of living you're like middle class lifestyle he's like I can get a massage uh, I have money left at the end of the month. I just don't have any worries. Just come. And because he was there, I was like, okay, Vietnam's not like the biggest leap for me at this time because I've already got him there to help me settle in and then I'm ready to go. So, yeah, I remember when I started up my applications, I was like, let's do it. Let's go to Vietnam. But uh, nothing prepared me for the moment. I got to Hanoi at 7 a.m. And funnily enough, 7 a.m., it's the busiest time of the day. But in my head, I thought, if it's like this at 7 a.m., what's it like mid-afternoon? Like, what's oh, it like shit, at 5? Right? So my head was like, what have I done? I've come to this, like, chaotic, <laughs> dense, hot, crazy city. And I was just like, absolute fish out of water. Whereas you could have just caught the nine-euro Ryanair flight to Spain and you'd have been sipping on sangria and sleeping in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, mate, could have just been hanging out anywhere, any city, pretty chilled out, pretty chilled out, and a nine-pound flight home if I wasn't feeling it. So, but I so realised was... I'd signed a year contract. I was in. <laughs> so Vietnam was a bit further. But, um, uh, one so year contract, get... what am I saying? So before we get too deep into it, let's let's get to uh, know you a little bit better there, John. Q&A. Before we get started here, folks, we have to talk about Don Kilvo. Who's Don Kilvo? Well, he's our first Patreon supporter. What's a Patreon, you might ask? Patreon is a membership-based platform that allows people to financially support podcasts. Don Kilvo, how has been your time as a Patreon supporter? Awesome. How did you like the early access to episodes? Awesome. The exclusive content? Awesome. What about our video call over beers? Fucking awesome. He sounds convinced. If you are unable to support the podcast financially, we would greatly appreciate you leaving us a five-star review, a comment, and sharing two beers till takeoff with your friends. So first question, hot or cold? Hot. Beach or mountains? Beach. Bus or train? Train. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Yeah, dogs. Hashtag snatch. <laughs> Do you like dogs? <laughs> yeah, dogs. <laughs> this is definitely going to be the episode with the most fucking movie quotes in it. <laughs> <laughs> Top or bottom bunk? Uh, bottom bunk. Never seem to get it, though. Ooh. Never seem to get it, especially you the hostels. guy to get those. Well, I'd be fucked in prison. Wouldn't we all? Oh, that's a double entendre. I hope not. what is your favorite sports team uh it would be uh watford football club who are now in the premier league so for the probably 99 percent of people that are listening who don't know where watford is can you explain 
Watford is just north. That was an exaggeration, wasn't it? And cold. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody from Watford is watching this, don't be offended. Uh, just Elton John and Vinnie Jones and Anthony Joshua. But just north of uh, London, 20 minutes, 30 minutes by train. Technically, it's greater London, uh, Hertfordshire. God, so many things, so many districts. Um, but 30 minutes north of London. Are you guys any good? Do you know what? We're okay. I'll take it. We're in the Premier League. You know, you could support a team that could be anywhere. At least we're in the Premier League this year. Last year, uh, we were in the Championship. So it sucks. You know, you've gone down and you're not on TV anymore. No one cares anymore. Only the people who really care about their team are, are, are interested in the Championship, you know, I think. Um, unless, you know, you're international, most international guys, you know what they're like. Everybody supports Chelsea now. Um but, but this is what this is what I was going to add. Like as 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 a, as a Portsmouth fan, I've noticed this. when I first started to go away, like 2012, etc. Yeah, it, it wasn't long after our Premier League spell. I could go to Vietnam and people would be like, "Ah, oh, Portsmouth, oh, yeah, your team's great." Carnu, Peter Crouch, and now I go somewhere like Port. No, I never fucking heard of him, son. Gross. People just Peter don't Crouch. Know. <laughs> uh, so so, I I think I know what your team's kits look like jerseys are they black and white they are oh mine yellow and black yellow and black yellow and black yellow and black <laughs> i knew it was black there was a, a radio host presenter from watford <laughs> who uh who interviewed mila kunis and at the end of the interview he gave her a watford shirt uh because they spoke about it in the interview she i don't know how he got into it but he started talking about going to vicarage road and having pints mila kunis. In pubs what in a guy. and basically mila kunis and jennifer aniston now own watford shirts oh wow <laughs> mila kunis and jennifer aniston uh own um watford shirts and for some reason mia khalifa too um, you'd have to say you've got some fucking good looking well. fans she was at the club i don't know what is your favorite world attraction uh, my favorite world attraction. Do you mean like a tourist attraction? Or, he, doesn't, yeah, he, do, um, he doesn't mean Mila Kunis. Somewhere I've been personally, I guess. Could be the... <laughs> Probably like Sagrada Familia in, uh, in Barcelona. Sagrada Familia, I would nice. say. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. definitely a very unique church. It's just that sometimes there can definitely be a shit ton of people in Dude, line. We had about six bottles of... We had about six, about six bottles of sangria in that queue. It was fucking yeah. awesome. Yeah, Going in pissing sure. off the staff. Like, oh, how long has this tile been here? Why have you not fixed the fucking roof, you lazy pricks? <laughs> Is it yeah. ever going to get done? <laughs> Will I have to die <laughs> before I see it? What is, the, what is the most overrated world attraction? It's probably the Eiffel Tower, isn't it? I mean, I don't know. Oh. Yeah. Or Big Ben at the moment in scaffolding. All those people that dreamed of it coming over to Big Ben and it's it's covered in scaffolding. Uh, scaffolding, yeah. <laughs> Where's the clock? Oh, oh yeah. Oh. Which country has the best cuisine? If I have to be honest, like I I went to Italy for only a few days, so I couldn't I wouldn't say I could comment, but I did travel a lot of Spain. And I, I really enjoyed the cuisine in Spain. And also, um, I would say Hong Kong. I really enjoyed the, the cuisine in both of those countries. 
because it's a little bit of like you know east meets uh east meets europe so i was like you know spanish cuisine is kind of a very different there are a lot of options and also cantonese cuisine has like a lot of variety so it was pretty nice to i would say if i had to choose um those are my favorites that i've tried nice. when i've traveled to you know if i said like oh i love japanese cuisine the most but i haven't been to japan so i would really like it's uh out the i'd place really I've like been. to call you up on spain because tapas is just fucking overpriced bastards. It depends where you get them, though. John, I, I, I'd actually want to want to probe that as well a bit more. When you say Spain, do you mean like Barcelona, or do you mean like the the south, or do you mean like the Basque country? I guess I I spent a lot of time in Galicia, so they've got a lot of good seafood in Galicia, especially like the octopus, uh, the octopus with like olive oil and paprika. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of good things to have up there, especially, I would say, the seafood. And in Galicia, you know, the tapas actually is one of the places that still comes with the beer for free. So yes. when you go there, um, you'll actually get like uh, some manchego, some bread, some ham with your beer free of price. So I would say like Galicia is worth it because... Uh, they haven't kind of gone the way of big cities where tapas isn't free anymore and it's really overpriced and like, yeah, kind of pointless in a way. So I would say Galicia, the cuisine is really good. So if I, uh, maybe not Spanish, but Galician cuisine is up there for sure. Good answer. But what I got from that was Sid, shut the shut the fuck up. You've been to Seville. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have to save myself, yeah. man. I was like, you guys come in and I. Tapas is overrated, buddy. And I'm like, oh, damn, man. I, I didn't disagree, man. I didn't disagree, to be fair. I, I really liked it. I, I, I'm not a hater. Sid's a hater. <laughs> what is your biggest travel pet peeve? Um, it's, it's, it's probably photo shoots. Um, photo <laughs> shoots where, you know. So you've never traveled with Sid? <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. When have you ever seen me even near Obviously, a camera? Obviously, we, we, we want memories, <laughs> but... We want memories, but when you're there at, like, one of these monuments or attractions and it's like, you know, there's, there's the five pose, nobody's actually, like, enjoying themselves, take it in the moment, looking around even, and you think, like, what, what are you guys even doing? And, like, going somewhere just for the picture sometimes for me is a bit of a pet peeve for sure. Well, if you don't if you don't do the peace signs and the duck mouth, have you even been there? <laughs> Can you even cross it off your bucket list if you haven't done that? No proof. <laughs> exactly. Tell us your best travel hack. Oh, you know, I mean, my best travel hack. It depends if you're ha if you've got a plan or not. Mine is kind of like definitely if you're if you're just traveling for the sake of it, you know, when you go to South America, you decide to go. I always like to just make friends with anyone. Then ask them, like, what was the best thing you did? What was the coolest thing you've done this trip? Or, like, where's the best, you know what I mean? And that way, you kind of get a variety of answers from different people. And, and, and also, like, I would say locals, but sometimes when we travel hostel-wise, it's not easy to meet locals. It, it, it really depends, yeah, on how you're traveling. But um, my biggest travel hack is kind of go with the flow. 
Um, but that's the way I am. Probably there are really organized people here going like, you, you can't travel. You don't know what you're doing. But I like to do it kind of off the cuff and whatever happens, happens. That's how you have those really weird stories where you're like, oh, I stole a car or we ended up down in, in Cuba for some reason. Or no, I took the train overnight to Serbia and went to a trumpet festival. <laughs> did happen. It did happen. We got drunk. We were in Budapest. We took the train to Serbia. Next night, trumpet festival. Got was it weird. It was Ziggit. No, it wasn't Ziggit. Oh man, I can't remember the name of the trumpet festival. Was it amazing? It was. Um, so we got there a bit too late on the last night. Everybody was 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 vibing to the trumpet music, <laughs> and um, and then we enjoyed like probably the last hour or two hours of the festival. And uh, this this is a story now. You got me into it, but. Basically, we had a good time. We enjoyed ourselves. We're, we're dancing to the trumpets. Then it's then it's late. Then it's suddenly very late. And we've taken a bus from Belgrade to get here. So we don't know how to get back. It's like two, three in the morning. It starts to get very nationalistic. People are on monuments. Everyone's a skinhead. They're starting to sing the national songs. It start the 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 atmosphere started to get so heavy. You've joined, you've joined a right. You've joined Mate, a right wing protest. It felt like we were suddenly in like the skinhead right wing kind of vibe, and 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 everything started to look a little bit different. And so people start to look at us and they realise we're not Serbian. They start to ask us where we're from, what we're doing there. Not in like a bad way, but suddenly I start to realise we're drawing attention and. The atmosphere is getting heavy, you know, like at the end of a football match where people are starting to look for fights. It's starting to get a little bit like that. So we're starting, we're starting to get a little bit worried at this point about what we're going like to do. English, so this will make the news. Yeah, yeah, God. <laughs> and we go to the bus stop um, and we don't know when the bus is going to come, to be fair, like to take us back to the city. But we know that, that the options there were at the bus stop. I fell asleep completely. Some, some guy in front of us apparently started fighting with another guy he was glassed over the head apparently all i did at this moment and this happened right in front of us all i did was like fell straight back asleep <laughs> everyone else is like crap in their pants waiting just to go home i wake up and they're like i'm like oh the bus is here great let's go back and everyone else is like that was the worst night of my life i don't i didn't i wasn't there not okay. Not okay. I wasn't there, man. That sounds like a great fucking Was the guy night. okay? No idea. I really, uh, I really thought for a second we were going to have some weird fucking coincidence where we'd been to the same Serbian trumpet. <laughs> but it turns out, no. Yours was completely fucked up. Like, we were trying to hitchhike up to Belgrade, and we couldn't because it was during the immigrant crisis. And we got fucking dropped in Nice. Or Niche, again. I'm not fucking Serbian. And they were playing the trumpets in the square. <laughs> And you could get fucking, you could get a pint for like 70 cents. And people were just like walking these full fucking pig joints up and down the road, cutting out, yeah, come get the pig, come get the pig, you know, whilst they were playing the trumpet. But fucking hell, nobody tried to kill anybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, luckily we were not the targets. And, you know, the people that did speak to us were actually like kind of just curious. I think they were a little bit like, where are you from? What are you doing here? Just like the outside atmosphere was heavy. I, I started to think, oh, I'm drawing attention to myself. And you start to think maybe I'm an easy target. But yeah, I think now I look at it, maybe it wasn't as heavy as I thought. But 
that glassing incident kind of confirms it. I mean, you know, at the end of the night, these things happen at the end of a festival. People, people are just like that, that the energy's dropped, the happiness has dropped. And it's, it's a little bit, I just remember, honestly, my, my clear image was a bunch of really bald dudes on a statue and they were all really singing like these songs. Everybody's singing the songs. It was so national. I don't know. It was very like patriotic, heavy moment. Elton John songs. <laughs> this is your song. Is that and- Volcano, man? I hope you don't mind. <laughs> uh, and, and luckily, you know, I just fell asleep. We got back to Belgrade, um, and you know, I really enjoyed the city, but uh, that was that was a pretty weird one for sure. What's the most underrated country? I have to say Montenegro. I went to Montenegro. Ooh. I knew nothing about Montenegro. Let's go. Um, it's very cool. Phil's got a raging fucking boner now you said that. Dude, I... Yeah, that was mine too. I, I went with my uh, ex-girlfriend and we went hitchhiking. Um, we went like from the south to the north and back round in like 10 days. Very good, fun, very nice trip. Yeah, the, the, the mountains are ridiculous, eh? Yeah, I mean, you know, and at the time we were like quite young. So this is like quite... It's like seven years ago now, so people are still not really. People are a little bit more like, yeah, Montenegro. But at the time, we were like, yeah, let's do Montenegro. Looked into it a little bit. Price was really low. Nature was really, really spectacular. So it was kind of a, a you know, a given. We went camping, hitchhiking, and um, overall, very beautiful, very worthwhile. Just to add a tip into this, yeah, because we've just mentioned it twice in the last two questions. I don't know what it's going to be like after Corona is done and stuff. If people will be fucking too scared to do it. But hitchhiking in the Balkans yeah. is fucking awesome. And it, you know, it's generally quite... I know we didn't actually make it to Belgrade, as a fucking as I just said. But like you, you can get around. People will pick you up. They're so happy to look after you over there. Yeah, it's, generally just friendly, man. Generally just friendly. What What was your experience, Sid, with, with people in the Balkans? Oh, it was, it was awesome. I went, over, I went from a wedding in Kriva Palanka in East Macedonia over to Split to meet Phil. But via via service, it was a bit of an odd route. But everybody was just awesome. Oh, can I buy your lunch? Oh, come stay at my house. Oh, can I drive you further? You know, the only problem we had was that first crossing from Macedonia to Serbia because of the immigrant crisis. Nobody wanted to pick people up over that border. (laughs) It makes sense. Where's somewhere you'd never go back? You know, it's hard to say that. Like, it's hard to say... I would never go back to a place. I don't think I've gone. I could say Podgorica, the Montenegrin capital. Like we spent half a day there and we realized it really wasn't worthwhile. One of those kind of cities without an atmosphere, without a vibe, nothing to do. Yeah. And, ev- and everybody says that. We knew that. So going in there and spending half a day there, it was kind of like, let's get out of here. You know, and the rest of Montenegro is insane. But that city, I wouldn't go back to and I wouldn't advise anyone to go there. But as a country, I have no real country to say that about. Like, I would never go back to that country kind of. um, Every place I've been, I think, had its own uh, unique kind of story. Maybe I went to Ayanapa when I was too young and I I got too drunk. And my memories (laughs) there are not like... My memories there are not even great. So I'm, Cy- I'm Cyprus. Cyprus, Cyprus, yeah. 
I probably wouldn't go back to Ayanapa. I'd go back to Cyprus, but not not to Napa. Just because I can I I don't know, man. Just I can imagine lads on tour. (laughs) I was too young. I was too bad. Absent hospitals. It was lads on tour at eighteen. It was, uh, it was actually like sunsex and suspicious parents, you know those holidays. It was exactly what's on that TV show, man. If anyone doesn't know sunsex and suspicious parents, it's like when kids graduate in England, they go to all of these like European islands to get wasted for a week to celebrate finishing school, but the parents are secretly there watching their every move and ruin them. And at the end, they turn up like, oh, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe that happened. What is your favorite cocktail? Uh, be a white Russian. Yes. Where did you find your cheapest pint? Vietnam. The guy spent 14 months there. Of course it's going to fucking be Vietnam. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not, not a pint, right? But... They have these little cups on the side of the street for 15,000 dong, which is about 17 English pennies. And that was the cheapest beer I could find. For people who don't know, <laughs> dong is the currency of Vietnam. It's not something else. And people... Get your head out of the gutter. And anyone that doesn't know pennies, that's also the currency of the UK. And Gibraltar. Where in the world is your favorite bar? Uh, it's in Vietnam. It's in Vietnam. And um, it doesn't exist in the same form as when I was there, the location has changed, but uh, it was called uh, Naboo. And I found out about this bar because of a colleague of mine. It was actually really close to my house, but you'd never find it. You kind of go down a road, you take a left, you take a right, there's an alley. It doesn't even look like anything. You knock on the door. Uh, she only kind of knows people. So you can only really find this bar if you know someone who knows about the bar. It's not even really legal. Um, so... What happened was we kind of find out about the bar and the first the first room is just like an area, you know, no bigger than a general size like living room of someone's house. There's a bar, there's Jenga, there are some chairs. You can choose your own music that you want. And then there's another room for karaoke. And there's a lady called uh, Naboo. Fucking right. Naboo named it after herself who just chills out at the bar. And uh, there are cocktails. She does white Russians and beers. And I would just go there and just hit the white Russians at 2 a.m. until 5 a.m., 6 a.m. and then go home. It was like the end of the night spot. Um, (laughs) That sounds like one of those nationalistic parties going down and hitting the white Russians at the end. (laughs) But that was my favorite bar. That was my favorite bar of all time. No, that bar sounds fucking Because it kind of feels, to be kind of feels like awesome. home. Once you know the owner, she's like, oh, hey, John. Um, probably like, you know, you know who's going to be there or you're just there with your friends anyway because it's like, especially working the kind of job we did, you had the freedom to go out, you know, any night. So um, on a weeknight, it's probably just us in there, maybe another group of people probably get along you choose the music and it just felt comfortable it was an easy place to be problem was everybody smoked inside so your eyes sort of stung and you stank the next day for sure but stinky clothes kind of fun same time welcome back to the 70s mate absolutely absolutely top five yeah number five number five for me personally would be hanoi 
uh, just because it's like a city and everybody will probably go there when they fly into Vietnam or at least some point they'll visit. And I think upon visiting, it does look like a chaotic, difficult, messy place. But actually after living there for a little while, you realize it's a little bit better than that. Um, there are a lot of cool coffee shops to visit, um, really nice attractions, actually like historical sites. You have a good few bars. You have a lot of good coffee to try, a lot of good food to eat. But definitely at the beginning, if I went there for four days, I probably wouldn't recommend people to go there. But after being there and finding nice places like lakes to go cycling around and just generally good good things to do, I would, I would really recommend it. But at the beginning, it comes off pretty pretty harsh. But it's actually kind of romantic the deeper you get. So is that where you would find like uh, Vietnam War museums or anything like that? Or, or uh... That was actually in Ho Chi Minh. Like Ho Chi Minh had more of the like the war kind of things. So, yeah. Hanoi itself is, is more communist. Um, it's less influenced by like the West, I would say. Uh, they only got their first McDonald's in there in 2017 in Hanoi. It's really weird to see a McDonald's open for the first time. You had Ronald on the what, street. What's, what's, what's good here? It was here? just an odd day. It was an odd day, bro. <laughs> Took a couple of my mates for their first uh, first Big Mac. <laughs> Dude, the sauce is amazing. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> truly, truly, though. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if that's going to be cut out or not, but yeah, mm. hugs, no free ads. Nugs. All of the good stuff, but but for but really like um yeah I, I I guess Hanoi has a charm. I think you just have to spend a little bit more time there to see it. Number four, we're going somewhere with absolutely no charm. Boy Vien Street in Ho Chi Minh. You can argue maybe that it's charming to some, but I mean, for anybody that wants a more popular reference, it's basically Koh San Road in Vietnam. I mean, I don't know if you would how you would decipher right, for, between for those the two. who don't know what that is. Kosan Road is Kosan Road is a very sleazy, Madness. crazy. It, it has it all. But where is this? Like, it's the kind of road that Kosan Road is in Bangkok. Okay. Yeah, it's probably the most famous backpacker street in the world. Yeah, you... Boy Vien is in relation probably its little brother. The old the old timers will tell you Kosan Road has gone downhill. And Boy Vien is the place to be. I don't know about that, but at least when I was there, you know, it was happening, but not quite as bustling as Koh San Road. But you've got all different types of bars. You can get anything you want down there. It's open nearly 24 hours a day. It's booming even at breakfast time. Party central. Party central. And honestly, there is no rules. It is like the wild, wild west down there. Yeah. Yeah, really. Like when I arrived in Ho Chi Minh, I was with like my Spanish friends who are pretty like, not straight edged, but they're just like, they're nearly married. They're like really nice, really good crack. And we got to Boy Vienne and that's where our hostel was. And it was like, okay, we are in the <laughs> center. I got showed to my hotel room. Uh, it was like, honestly, I didn't even have a hotel room when I got there. We had to like find a place for me to stay near my friend's place. This little lady takes me down an alley into this little room in the corner and I was just like wow okay I'm in the middle of everything she asked me like two questions right like like you can bring people back she tells me that you can bring someone back here 
I don't know, don't be sick on the floor or some just like dumb rules like for idiots. And I was like, man, I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle of the crazy street of this city. <laughs> unintentionally as well, like completely unintentionally. But it was good crack. Like we, we've just discussed, they are a little bit, they are a little bit similar. You know what I mean? They're bars from start to finish the whole way down the road other than a few fast food joints. You know, you can do anything, get anything, be anyone, meet anyone you want to down these kinds of places, yeah? And it's all lights and sprinkles and happiness. Which yeah, would you say is better, is. John, as a man that's done them both? If you want to have a really funny good night, I'd probably choose Boy Vienne. Like, I went to Kelsen Road uh, and I had a, a few beers. I had a good time, but I felt like a little bit more, weirdly a bit more relaxed in Boy Vienne. Like... I don't know. I felt like I didn't really worry. I, I had a great time. I had a bunch of beers. I had a good crack. I met a little bunch of funny people. It, it was quite a fun atmosphere. Uh, yeah, I actually preferred Boy Vienne. What, what about you, Phil? Sorry, what about you, Sid? Uh, Sun Road for me is the greatest individual road on the planet. So <laughs> it's a given. I liked Boy Vienne, but it's not the same. That's where his wedding was held. Yeah. I, I think I would have had to go to Kaosan like with with a different like because i was just with my friend and we were like on our way to a festival so it was kind of like a pretty chill night we had some beers but yeah boy vien had a better like i guess my night in boy vien was better but am i gonna say what's better it's probably calson road sometimes it's really easy to be objective like about your night number three would be ning bing ning bing is about two hours from hanoi or an hour and a half from Hanoi, you can drive it. Um, it's basically a very beautiful mountain spot. Uh, you can go kayaking, you can go, but actually you don't really go kayaking. You end up going on boats with Vietnamese ladies who row with their feet, take you <laughs> under caves and through the mountains. And it's seriously picturesque. It's like some fleet They row with their shit. feet? No joke. Dude, they row with their feet. I reckon they get tired and they switch to feet. I don't know, man. They row with their feet. The feet stuff over there must be unreal. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, and, and it, it's just overall like there's uh, there's the Mua Caves. There's a really nice spot if you walk up 500 steps uh, to the top of this kind of mountain. You have a really amazing view. There are very beautiful temples. Um, I would say if you're going through Vietnam, you shouldn't miss it out. It's, it's a really nice, really nice place to check out for sure. Ning Bing. Number two. Get yourself on a fucking moped. Yes. Or even a motorbike if you prefer. Yeah. Vietnam's got a little bit of a reputation for this and it's fully deserved. It is unbelievable. I mean, I went there as a fucking 19 year old, no license, no fucking experience. Yeah. Like, oh, can I get a moped? And the guy was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Matt, we were driving up the coast for the day. It was unreal. Like, you go up through the mountains, in through the jungle, you know. Like, fuck it. Everything's difficult because you've got no idea how to drive. And these guys over there are driving like crazy. But the coastal roads, just you want, to, you want to just stop and take a picture of everything. But there's hardly any scene that you'll see that your phone can do it justice. It's honestly the most picturesque, magnificent place I've ever been to. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. Especially if you go up north coast, anywhere, like the, the scenery is insane. Um, and yeah, there's something really liberating about being able to just take a moped, motorbike and just drive off and explore, man. Very liberating. Yeah. So I, I have a quick question about, I guess, the safety of it, because 
I think if if you've backpacked a bit and you've definitely heard the stories of somebody going to Southeast Asia and, you know, having a nasty spill on a scooter or a moped or whatever, how safe is it when you're when you're out there? I would say questionably. Like yeah, on a scale of one to ten, would you... I give it a five, man. It can go either way if you're depending on what you're doing. Depending I've, on what I've you're seen, doing. I've Most seen of like us, the, the like the traffic, like the, the the rush hour. It's like fucking crazy. There's so many bikes everywhere and cars and big trucks and stuff. Is is it like that everywhere? Like in in cities? Yeah, in Hanoi, in Hanoi especially. I mean, it, you know, if you're not careful, like it, it'll be easy to. Easy to have a crash. Easy to have a bad crash. Um, I would say for myself, my my mate took me to the lake, which is probably the calmest place in the city to practice. So I took my rental bike and I drove it down the road, and the lady looked like pretty reluctant to let me take it for a <laughs> rental. And my friend said to her, "Let me take him around the lake a couple times. It's going to be fine." So we go around the lake. It is pretty chill. It gives me a chance to like get my balance, my bearings, to understand the road. I do a couple of laps. The lady's happy. She's convinced. Um, I drive it home and then I'm in the road. I'm in the main road to go to my home in the middle of the traffic. I was hugging the right side uh, like a grandma, just like going like, you know, like a deer with the headlights, man. But um, I got home. It was cool. The next day I drove it to work. The next few days I started to feel really comfortable. And then I learned that the road has its own way. And it actually looks a lot worse than it is, especially in the cities. Like kind of like the, the bikes go together like schools of fish. You learn to kind of avoid a bus if it's nearby. Schools and... of fish. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's like, like, like fish, you know, like all of the bikes move together, man. And you're kind of like... It's kind of almost like safe, you know, like everybody, everybody for somehow syncs up and it works, even though it looks like chaos. And the cars are the sharks. And this is a perfect metaphor. <laughs> Dude, the cars. Absolutely. <laughs> fuck the No, fuck the cars. Fuck the cars. Absolutely. I, I fucking hate them. Um, the Vietnamese family is just, you know, be like, I can't fit all my whole family on, 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 a, on a moped, but I have to buy a car. Fuck that. I don't know. You want to see them try? They fucking can. <laughs> Yeah, they do. They do, and they do it well. <laughs> you know, the, the, the only other little anecdote that I'd add to number two here is that me and Ricky were driving up the coast. We were going from Hoi An to, um, to Hoi. Huey. Huey Lewis in the news, oh no. It's, it's Hoi. Hoi. Come on, buddy, get with it. Hoi. That's not the correct way to say that, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Are you a dad? That was a dad joke. It's pretty bad, isn't it? Right. And we'd agreed we were going to go into fucking Da Nang and tour around seeing as we got our fucking bikes with us, yeah? Ricky was a little bit in front of me. And he fucking missed the turn off. Yeah? And I was like, oh, I'm going to turn in. I'm sure he'll be all right, yeah? And I turned in and I was waiting on the point of the map we'd like talked about meeting on. Nothing. I thought, oh, fuck, you know, I'm going to go back to the road, see if I can find him. No. And then I couldn't find the fucking point in the road that we were supposed to be meeting on for lunch. I've got all the phones and the money with me as well. <laughs> what happens about an hour later, yeah? I've been sitting in this fucking beach bar drinking a couple beers, yeah? And he was like, this, this random Vietnamese number comes up. My phone, we didn't buy SIM cards or anything over there. We were only there for a couple of weeks. Hello, Big Sid speaking. It's Ricky. Sid, Sid, where the fuck are you? <laughs> I'm at the beach getting pissed. 
<laughs> right? Turns out he'd fucking missed the turn off clean as well. He'd gone like another 20 kilometers up the coast waiting for me to like be caught up with him. He kept looking behind like, where are you? Borrowed some local's phone and he was like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, like the local had allowed him to make the call. It's like, no, this is where you need to be. Go back to fucking where we said. Sent him a quick GPS and uh, half an hour or so he was he was back. But honestly, that could have been so bad if nobody would have helped him out. Like, it was just two fucking idiot Western tourists pissing around. Should not have been allowed on that road. <laughs> That's so crazy. <laughs> so just last question, I guess, on the subject of, of uh, mopeds. Can you drink and drive over there? And would you encourage it? No. No. You shouldn't. No. But and is it legal? Do. It's not legal, but people do it. People do it for sure. Because you get accustomed to, uh, you know, uh, driving everywhere. And, you know, you might drive straight to a bar after work. And very often, you know, like you'll say, I'll have one and drive home and I'll come back. But you know what I mean? Suddenly, a lot of people get into the session. Yeah, and drink driving, I would say, is really common. Uh, number one is Sapper. Uh, Sapa is in Sapa is in the north of Vietnam in the mountains. Um, there's also the Hazang Loop, which, like, I would say, I, I didn't do it. It's my biggest regret. It's like a five-day bicycle loop around the mountains, and everybody that's done it has told me it was the most amazing thing they've done. My cousin did it. Again, everybody says the pictures don't do it justice, but I did go to Sapa, which is in the same region, and I did go trekking through the uh the rice fields the rice paddies um and it was probably the strangest place in the world i've seen someone wearing a tottenham t-shirt i don't know why i've gone into that angle <laughs> either way <laughs> <laughs> it's in the middle of nowhere but like there were also people there of the Hmong tribe and they're native to that area so they speak in click Vietnamese and English, especially the kids. The kids are like business people, but they sell everything they make. So they make their own clothes. Uh, everything they wear is made by them. They also have a specific color of dye, which is only native there. It's kind of like a deep purpley blue. And so they make a lot of their money uh, selling kind of like different things, taking people on tours of the area. Um, but they're also really haggly. And it gets uncomfortable if you're sitting in a restaurant and four or five of the kids just, they don't give up. That was my biggest drawback. But it is a magical place. It has that sort of atmosphere of a town up in the mountains with like native people uh, with their own kind of culture. And um, the view is stunning. Every Everywhere you go, everywhere you walk, you can really, you know, see some really stunning views. Go to waterfalls, go over drawbridges, see the rice fields. Um, so that for me was like the, the most unique place I went people driving me into the mountains on their motorbikes down hills up hills I thought I was going to die a couple times up there um, but yeah that, that for me was my, my, my favorite place uh, in Vietnam easily like it was just like very different to anything I've ever experienced or seen before yeah, I, I'm going to ask you in a second if there is anything you disliked but you know one thing I've just realized we completely skipped over Nobody mentioned Halong Bay. Halong Bay, yeah. Halong Bay is, is probably up there, like, with Cat Bar Island, Halong Bay. Again, like, like nature-wise, has to be up there in one of the most beautiful places in the world. 
Like, uh, it, it, it's, it's one of the fucking, like, the unique selling points of Vietnam, isn't it? They really draw you in with it. Oh, go see the rice fields, go to Halong Bay. Man, we did it, and it was fucking, it was really, really cool. It's a little bit not backpacker budget friendly, though, is one thing I would say. Yeah. And, like, what I, would you, what would you see out there? So what Halong Bay is basically, sorry, for anyone that doesn't really know, is a series of mountains that just spring up in the South China Sea. Like, honestly, they literally just go, like, straight up vertically. And you sail, you sail around them for a few days on a, on a ship full of, like, tourists. And you can see, like, the different height ones, the different range. It's like a mountain range at sea. It is really, really cool. Is that where they shot honest, Avatar? And there's not many other places. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen Avatar? No, man, I was busy traveling. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Dude, they, 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 shot, um, they shot King Kong. They shot King Kong in Ningbing, which was number three. King okay. Kong was shot in really? Ningbing. Another movie yeah. reference. Yeah, let's yeah. go. I, I always feel like when global warming finally happens and sea levels rise, Halong Bay is what Rio will look like. Damn. Just fucking Damn. mountains spurting out randomly from the ocean. And that's exactly what it is. Like, it, it, it's cool, man. It is. You can see and go do different things. We went kayaking through these little, like, I don't want to say they're river tunnels, but you go, like, underneath the little rock formations and stuff. And then some geezer comes around because he knows everybody's tired. And it's a guy on, like, a, he's got, like, a canoe shop. He's like, all right, dude, come buy my, buy my beers, buy my... Gatorade, buy my cigarettes, man. And he's selling it like 58 times the price you'd pay it on shore. But because you've been kayaking around, all you want to do is buy his fucking overpriced beer and his darts. I love that Sid uses darts. It's a Canadian term. And uh, it's my new favorite thing. Yeah. Anything, anything you didn't like about Vietnam now that we've passed over Halong Bay as well? Except the duck fetuses, obviously. I'll, I'll go back to darts, actually, but um, in a minute. But anything I didn't like about Vietnam, honestly, probably, um, and uh, I, uh, it's not a bad thing. But obviously, people need money. You know, it's a tough economy. But I guess it's the fact that you do get approached countless number of times with people trying to sell you something or ask you for something. And um, yeah, a lot of the time you're, you know, you want to, you want to help, you want to maybe buy something, you maybe want to have a chat with someone. Um, but yeah, sometimes when you're just trying to walk along, um, it gets a little bit annoying when, when constantly people are trying to kind of, you know, rip you off. Cause it is like, they are trying to sell you something at a really high price. And that can be the, the frequency of it can be so annoying but i really don't blame them for what they do but that's my only like that was something that annoyed me at times but then you have to avoid the really 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 touristy areas if you live there so it can be avoided but it did annoy me especially at the beginning john in your opinion uh just because i know that a lot i, I feel like vietnam isn't the most sought after destination for north americans until now until we, we talked about how cheap the beer was but would you say it's a dangerous country? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The, the most dangerous thing in Vietnam is yourself on a motorbike. <laughs> or, or Old Town Hanoi at three in the morning. Yeah, Old Town Hanoi at three in the morning, easily avoided. Um, being a dick on a motorbike, you know, like these are your biggest dangers. I never once had trouble there in two years. I never felt in danger at any moment. Like... 
if you're like at least remote remotely street smart you'll be fine in vietnam like i said like you know we were outside the club at three in the morning and a really dodge obviously dodgy guy on the motorbike is offering like cocaine weed uh boom boom which is which is sex you know you don't go with that guy for clearing that up you don't yeah yeah you don't go with that guy. You don't go with that guy. It's, you just say no. And when I saw that dude, like, I, I, my first week, somebody told me a story of a guy that got robbed like that. You just don't do it. You just don't do it. Yeah, so, so I think this is a call out to North Americans. Don't be scared of Southeast Asia. There's a lot of amazing things to check out, especially in Vietnam, where the beer is super cheap and there's so many beautiful things to see. Yeah, honestly. Especially it's... the women. <laughs> <laughs> It's just street smart. It's just street smart. Like if you've been to South America, like Asia's easy. Uh, you only have to talk to people on your first day and they'll already kind of be like, you know, this is the kind of thing that happens and this is what you should avoid. And pretty quickly, you, you can kind of learn what not to do, I would say. Talking of danger and safety, shall we get into a couple of stories? Hey, before we get into it, John, uh, do you you spent two years in Vietnam? Do you speak Vietnamese? I at one point spoke passable conversational, like like I could at least have a bit of a chat. But it was honestly such a difficult language. I I struggled. I I I put a little bit of effort in to learn the basics, um, but going past that was was seriously challenging, especially when you work teaching English. Um, your, you spend your professional life in one language and then, um, but I did learn a few phrases. I did learn a few things, but now I've really forgotten them. Um, you know, the difference do, do between... You have, do you have one for the boys? How do you say, I don't I don't want another pigeon, please, in Vietnamese? Or do you have a, a good phrase for, for the folks who don't, who've never heard it? Dick com vit, fuck duck. Dick com vit. Fuck duck. Dick com Dick com vit. <laughs> and if you want to say like fuck you in the north you say like doma no dipma dipma in the north dipma in the north is like fuck you but in the south it's like doma and uh whenever i did that with a taxi driver they would just like cry of laughter like i would just sit in the back be like doma and they would be like <laughs> They just start laughing. It's like literally like somebody like in England being like, motherfucker. Or, you know, I don't know, just like some stupid phrase. He's like, why the fuck does this white guy know this? Oh. <laughs> but they would laugh every time like 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 a kid, man. It was like, yeah, they, they generally like very friendly. And Vietnamese, if they couldn't speak English and they realized I could speak at least passable, they would have like five questions for me. It would be like, where are you from? What are you doing here in Vietnam? Do you like Vietnam? Are you married? Like those were the questions. How old are you as well? Because the Vietnamese language, for them to know how to address you, they need to learn, they need to know your age. So like if you're uh, older, they call you like Ang. If you're a grandpa, they call you like uh, Va, I can't remember now. But there are different names you call, grandma. like so, you address so, someone. So we, yeah, so like if someone's so younger we, than me, I'm like Amoy, which is like, hello, younger person. Hello, younger sister. That's how the language works. So with my receding oh, hairline, I'd probably get called Va. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like really it's bad, bro. Like if him. I called like a if I called a girl that was like younger than me, like she, like she is like a mother, she would be like so offended. It's like me calling her old. So I just had to be safe because no, I look old. Yeah, yeah, dick man, dick convict, fuck that. <laughs> but like, yeah, because I oh, look old, because I always looked old in Vietnam because I have a beard. I just to be safe, you just say M, unless they're definitely older than you. Because people can get offended. So um, those are the five questions people to ask you, and age is kind of like a key question for them, so they know. And they always are shocked that you're like 23, 24. I'm 27 now, but at the time with a beard, they'd be like, "No way, dude." <laughs> no way. <laughs> Story time. Anyway, so I'm going to go back to Huey, which we spoke about earlier. Huey. Yeah, my, my pronunciation is getting more Mexican with each attempt at that. <laughs> hey, 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 here we go. Is that how you say it? <laughs> getting closer. Huey. So anyway, <laughs> so anyway, I'm in, I'm in fucking Huey with, uh, with Ricky, right? And as usual, what are we fishing for? It's a nightclub to to go out and go on a piss and do our thing. There's fuck all in Hue, man, I tell you. It's like a, 90% of the city is taken up by like this one fucking fort, which is like ancient. Oh, come see me. Come take pictures of me. Great on the Instagram, yeah? But it's fucking shit if you want to go on a piss. So we meet this motorbike driver, right? And we're like, oh, can you take us to a nightclub? And he was like, Ah, oh, for, for about $5, I can. $5 is a little bit steep in Vietnam, you know. But there's two of us. Being in fucking hell. North Ricky's Americans, guy. wake up. <laughs> it genuinely, it's a rip-off. It's a rip-off. I'm not, I, I sound bad nowadays, but it is. Uh, I don't know, R- Ricky's a big guy. He probably had to fucking replace the suspension after that, putting us both on the back. But anyway. <laughs> so he yeah, drove us up to, drove us up through the fucking back-ass part of town, yeah? through the other side of the fort. I'm like, all right, we're going somewhere here. He stops by this fucking roadside, like, restaurant. It's not even a restaurant. It's one of those plastic stools and tables, you know, traditional Vietnamese. Here's your plastic table that you usually see on a beach. Here's your stool that keeps you eight inches off the ground, not higher, not lower, yeah? Literally, if you ever go somewhere to eat in Vietnam on the street, you're sitting on these fucking stools that are far too small for regular people. And that's where we got dropped off. And he's off. just and we like pe- clicking. Yeah, and we were like, fucking hell, this is not a nightclub. This is not even actually a restaurant, if we're honest. This is like a, a truck that happens to sell noodles. <laughs> so we say to him, like, look, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what his name was, you know. But we say to him, like, look, dude, do you want to try this again? I was going to say John, but then I figured we've already got a John on with us. That I know, we fuck, that's the most generic name I could think. Let's go with Mohammed. His name's Mohammed. Could, could, have, could have very well been Ming Duk. So I said to him, Sauteed look, duck. Ming, there you go. I, I, look, I just use a pronoun. So I said to him, do you want to try again with that? You know, like, can we go somewhere else? And he was like, ah, oh, you know, this is what you asked for. This is what you asked for. And we're like, no, it wasn't. You know, and I think maybe he'd realized that the drive up there had been a little bit difficult. He called one of his buddies. Yeah. Because obviously there was two of us. And I'm saying to him, like, dude, this is not on. This is not a nightclub. Fucking hell, I can't fucking bust a move out by these stalls. I'll start knocking them over. 
Yeah, because I got some big dance moves, obviously. And as I'm arguing with him, next thing you know, Ricky's sitting on the back of the other fucking motorbike driving up the road. He's like, oh, your friend's going. You need to go with him. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, Rick. So I jump on the bike and there we go. And we go, oh, yeah, up to the next club, up to the next club. We end up at a fucking another noodle stand. <laughs> Man, it's just another is, is one of like the same Is it like a conflicting thing. word of like club and like noodle stand? But this was this was slightly nicer. Like the stalls had backs on them, you could almost call them chairs if you want to be generous. <laughs> yeah, but it was still a fucking Alan. noodle stand. <laughs> so we shout and I'm like, "What the fuck? Like this is two attempts." He's like, "Oh no, we'll try again. We'll try again. Obviously, this is not the right one for you. Try again. I don't want to fucking try again. We like, we've been out on the road now for nearly an hour. I'm not even pissed anymore." So all right, they, they we'll go back to the to the hotel. And I was like, yeah, we will do. Because it wasn't far from the hotel he picked us up. Say hotel, it's like a guest house, yeah? So he drives us back through town, another 15 minutes or so. And we get up to the guest house, right? And we, I, in my head, I'm thinking, I'm still, I'm not pissed, but I'm still, I'm half cut. I mean, fuck, I'm not going to pay this guy. Because he didn't fucking do what he said he was going to do. I think Ricky was thinking, oh, we'd pay him for the first trip or something like that, because Ricky was all right to pay him a little bit, I think. Got off the bike, I went to go inside. Ricky's fishing around in his pockets, and he's like, right, two bikes, four trips, it's $20. This is not the fucking $5 what? we agreed. Man, I know $20 uh, is not a lot of money, yeah, but that's fucking steep over there. And to, you have to imagine, we spent an hour and a half pissing around and got nothing like what we actually wanted to do. What, in Vietnam, what can you buy with $20? Just to put that in, into emphasis. A helicopter. $1 could be a meal. <laughs> $1 could be a meal. A bowl of pho is wow. like just over a dollar. Yeah, yeah. like, like oh $20 is really a lot of money. It's really good money over there. Like yeah, it, we, we, yeah, we were in could, the mood uh, for it because we weren't going to be in Hue for long. Like we would have paid that to be honest. Like we agreed five because that's what I thought was a fair. I would have, I would have, looking back at it now, paid twenty because I knew I was never going back there. Yeah. But fucking even five dollars for a failed trip feels like a piss take. Twenty dollars was ridiculous. Yeah. Ricky was like, "No, nah, fucking all right." Put his took his hands out of his pockets. I'm not fucking paying this. Opposite our guest house, yeah, little cafe, and we'd been going in there getting breakfast the last couple of days, so he did know us. So. Buddy, the guy who was driving the motorbike goes into his little, like, a, it's not a glove compartment, but it's, you know, the little bit of storage you've got. Pulls out a fucking slingshot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's the fucking is Battle he fucking of Hastings. Dennis the Menace? Yeah, 1066, Dennis the Menace, the fucking <laughs> American Civil War or something. I don't know, wherever you want to reference it to. Pulls out a fucking slingshot, yeah. But this thing looks serious. Yeah, like the elastic on it, he's pulling it back like fucking 60 centimetres. Like it's got some range on it. Yeah, it grabs a couple rocks off the floor. I'm like, oh, fuck, he's weaponed up now. And we can't get into our guest house because they locked the door at night. <laughs> Vietnam's a safe country. Oh, right? We yeah. spoke about it. But apparently in Quay, there's a little bit of trouble. Because our guest house is locked. He's already told us that. And we knew that from the night before. We couldn't find a nightclub the night before either. That's why we paid this guy. But we'd went to a few noodle stands and had a few fucking beers and a good time. And we'd had to fucking ring the doorbell for five minutes to get in. So we know we can't ru fucking rush in, right? And I'm like, dude, I'm not paying you for this, yeah? Pulls the fucking slingshot back, pointing it at me now. Like, oh, I'll fucking... I don't even know what the verb this is. I'll slingshot you. 
You know, like he's, you know, he's really fucking aggressive. Like for a guy, I will sling these rocks at your head. Yeah, exactly. For a guy who couldn't fucking interpret what an English guy means by nightclub, I can't believe how good he was with talking about how dangerous his slingshot was. But so he's fucking flinging. Yeah, so I mean, to go back to fucking Pulp Fiction, like he's fucking flinging between us like he's Samuel L. Jackson with a handgun in Pulp Fiction, like he's got the two guys at one time. I'll shoot you and I'll fucking (laughs) shoot you, yeah? There's the guy in the cafe across the road. Cafe's 24 hours and he's shouting at us. His English is shit, unfortunately. Yeah, but he's making the big fucking waving sign, waving sign, like he really wants my attention. I'm walking over there. The guy points back to me, like, don't go any fucking further. Yeah, guy shouts something in Vietnamese. He stops for a second. I don't know exactly what was said in that one very quick exchange. Cafe guy says to us, like, guys, 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 stop it, stop it, stop it. He's a badgy man. He's a bad man, you know. Uh, he's a bad He's like, yeah, man, he's, he, don't, don't do it. Everybody knows him. But like, he's a like, gangster? Like, he's a fucking gangster. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't do it. He will, he, he's not messing around. You'll be in trouble. You'll be in a lot of trouble if you do this. I'm like, oh, fucking hell. So I shout out, like, Ricky, pay him, pay him the money, yeah? And it honestly, it's like the fucking police. Ricky goes into his pocket. He pulls out the fucking slingshot again. As if Ricky might be pulling out a weapon. Like, he's fucking, he's quick on this, yeah? <laughs> So Ricky's like, no, no, I, this guy might have money. another slingshot. <laughs> so Ricky hasn't got a slingshot, unfortunately, <laughs> which left us unarmed. Hands him the fucking 20 bucks, yeah, which was a piss take, but hands him the 20 bucks. We go to ring on the doorbell, and the guy's like, oh, fucking hell, I need five minutes to get there and open it. So we sit in Buddy's cafe, and we have an, uh, We might have had a tea, we might have had a beer. I actually don't remember now. It was a few years ago. We probably had a beer knowing us. I think traditionally he only sold Beers. tea, but I think... I think having seen the state of us, I think he whipped out a couple of beers from behind the counter. And he was like, man, this guy's a gangster. Like, everybody in the community knows him. Like, you don't fuck with this guy and his oh, guys. Oh, shit, like, really? Yeah, he's like a well-known fucking troublemaker, violent fucking man. He would have shot the shit out of you with that slingshot. Like, he would have pretended that was an AK-47. Like, what like, he, would he picked up, would that have made damage? Dude, man, that... Like, what he picked up, would that have made damage? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. If, if, he'd, if he'd have let go of one of those rocks when he was pulling them back, you know, because they're rocks like, I don't know, a few inches long, yeah? I don't know what that would weigh. 100 grams, maybe In something like that. close yeah, proximity on grams. top of that? Oh, close, even from a yeah, bit of distance. Face. Because of the speed, the power of the elastic, man, if that pings you, that's going to bruise you. It's going to be like similar to getting hit by one of the beanbag police guns or something like that. It's not going to kill you, man, but it's going to fucking bruise you. And if it hits you in the face, you'll go man, blind, he 100%. Man, man, he could have taken out one of your teeth. Holy shit. <laughs> it would have gone straight through your fucking gap, son. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's no. honestly the only thing I would say you have to be wary of is, is, is at night people giving you offers on motorbikes and not crossing these kind of dudes. They seem to be the, the most dangerous kind of people in Vietnam. Yeah, like it was the yeah, only time we got into any real trouble and it was, you know... It, it could have been a lot worse. Like, I mean, it was one of the few times we folded and actually paid the people asking us for money. It was only because we took local advice. Maybe it was the right thing to do. Maybe it was the wrong thing to do. We'll never know. But fucking hell, at least I didn't end up with my nose broken or anything like that with those fucking rocks. Missing fling, another tooth. Around. Jesus, then I can't even say that I'm a hockey player, can I, if I'm missing two? You'd look like a reverse fucking <laughs> bunny. <laughs> the two front teeth missing. Um. <laughs> So, John, tell us about the time you met Ellen DeGeneres. It was uh, it was in the middle of summer. It was a hot, balmy, humid summer, 
and my boss, I realized, has sent me an email that just read, wanna be on TV. And I said, <laughs> yeah. He said, there'll be good pay in this for you. I wasn't even really bothered about the pay. I was like, this will be pretty funny to be on TV. It's like one of those bucket list things. Like, oh, I've been on TV. You know, like, at least I can say it. You know, I've been on TV. So I did not know what I was doing. Like, I drove to the, to like, it was an eco park. So it's one of those places where people live. Like, they have like condominiums in Vietnam with shopping malls and everything. It was like, in one of those places but for some reason there was a theme park with dinosaurs so i turn up to what looks like a set of like jurassic park dude like there's loads of huge but like dinosaurs a, but like a everywhere budget jurassic park yeah yeah like 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 a kids kids park with dinosaurs everywhere i am sweating profusely and uh, I meet a Vietnamese lady. I can't remember her name now. She was she was nice. We had a coffee, and I was with uh, a colleague of mine who was Vietnamese. So you know they were trying to kind of just get me ready for TV. So we sit down in a coffee makeup? shop. I, I, yeah, no makeup, man. I just had my school uniform on. I was representing the school, uh, blue polo top, Apollo. Um, and I'm sitting there, and we have a coffee, and they give me the brief. So the brief is. This show is called Seven Wishes. The MC, the presenter, is really famous in Vietnam. She's really well known. I was joking. She's like the Ellen of Vietnam. Um, but now I say that. Didn't you know, Ellen I, get cancelled? Ellen, Ellen, I believe. V- Alan, <laughs> Alan did. <laughs> Ellen, v- Ellen I believe. Uh, but, but Vietnamese Ellen's still running strong. Is, isn't, I hope is, so. Isn't the I hope proper so. Ellen now, I guess, in the US, like Kelly Clarkson? Like daytime TV? Yes. Yeah, okay, I reckon that's... so. Bit of a bit of a yeah, bit of a Jonathan Ross. Bit of a <laughs> bit of a mid-ranger. But anyway, I I I find out the TV show is called Seven Wishes. Um so basically they grant seven wishes each episode to people who are in need. And my school was granting a kid a year's access to learn English at Apollo school. He was um quite disabled like severely disabled. Uh, he couldn't walk. I don't think he had full use of his arms. Um, but he was a really happy, really clever kid. And, you know, it was his dream to learn English. And, you know, for someone who comes from a really poor neighborhood in Vietnam, the opportunity to learn English is huge. The opportunity, it presents itself in the future. So for the, his family, it was like a really big deal. And for the amount of money it was worth, it was worth like 40 million dong, which is about... I don't know, a thousand five hundred pounds, and in rural Vietnam, Six, you know, that's, that's a big sum of money. US. Yeah, <laughs> it's a big, it's a big sum of money, and uh, so they briefed me, and they're like, "Yeah, the MC is just going to ask you some questions," and I'm like, "What questions?" They're like, "We don't know." Brilliant. So <laughs> I get out there. No prep. Uh, I all I know is I'm going to give him this oversized check. That's all so I know. So Jonathan, I, what you're saying is that we prepped you better for our podcast than they did for Vietnamese Ellen. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I, you know, I I think what I was was really just a face for the school, handing over the check, and it looked great, but. What happened was she started to ask me different questions, you know. Uh, How do you feel giving this check away? Um, You know, there I am on the spot, sweating profusely, just just (laughs) looking like a shiny egg. Was she asking you, was she... (laughs) 
she was dressed as a cow. She was dressed as a cow. She had a cow <laughs> onesie on. I don't even know why. And she looks at me and she's like, how do you feel giving this this check to little, little Ming Duk? And I'm there like... Well, I'm immensely proud today, you know, and I'm getting the, I'm like a, I'm like giving the waffle, you know, like footballers after a game, they just don't know what to say. What language was she doing the questions in? Vietnamese? She would speak in Vietnamese. Uh, she would speak in English. She would ask me the questions in English and then translate for the crowd. So then when I spoke, she would translate my, my response. And so she was pretty good. Um, and so she asked me, like, how do you feel giving Ming Duk this prize? And I'm there, like, I feel very proud and honored to be able to, you know, give this uh, young man an opportunity, you know, and, and, and you know, kind of just making it up on the spot. Like, you know, you know, it's all about the team at the end of the day. You know, I might have scored, you know, 30 <laughs> points and a hat trick, but it's all about the team. It's all about the team at the end of the day. I have my answer ready. Just like back up, you know, yeah, I'm very proud. And she asked me a few more questions. I don't remember what I said. I managed to get it through. And then I had to speak to the kid. And I'm like, hey, hello, how are you? And he's like, Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, it's really nice to meet you. And he's like, you're welcome. Uh, and it must have been comedy. Like, it must have been comedy because it just went wrong when I spoke to him. But it justified the uh, the, the scholarship, you know. Um, <laughs> he needed to learn. But he wow. was obviously enthusiastic. I gave him the check. Um, <laughs> he needed to learn. <laughs> <laughs> wow no but i mean he he really was like uh you know in an area probably at a school where he wasn't able to learn like english so it was a great opportunity for him i gave him the check um i don't know his ability in english he probably was quite good at reading and everything and maybe the nerves got to him on tv but it was quite a funny exchange um but he was a lovely kid you know really happy and i was actually really happy to to do that to be honest it was nice it so, wasn't me so, but it was my school but it was nice to present him and honestly man his face lit up and he was clearly overjoyed the mum as well um so it this, was it was overall a cool cool experience this makes a nice change from people stealing cars and shitting on campsites compared to our usual stories, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, dude, this, I've gone with a good story. And even though I've got like terrible tales of, you know, dumb stuff, uh, it's actually kind of cool to tell a good story rather than like some stupid stuff I did in Finland. In terms of setting, I guess just to to kind of because I know there there is a video of, of this exchange of the checks, which we will be sharing on our Instagram. What was the setting of of because you say you're on TV? Is there an audience? Are there cameras everywhere? What does it look like? There was, dude. There was a live audience of what was mainly made up of like parents and families. I'd say like forty. I'd say forty people were there for the live show with the MC. There were cameras. It was a setup. Like it was really set up. Um, and for some reason, man, the editors have fully. Put, and it is in no way related this clip just one clip of me wiping the sweat off like <laughs> and it's just put in the middle it's just put in the middle of nothing like there, there was no it was not relevant they didn't need to do it they put it in i reckon just for banter it's just one just show, one like... section of me just this is the english guy he can't take the heat <laughs> indoors. I watched the video and I was like why did they have to do me like that why did they have to do me like that uh, 
No, looking back, it's actually quite funny. But um, but yeah, that was that was like uh, overall a pretty funny experience. And after that, uh, my boss and everybody started to just see me as the TV guy. So whenever there was like a gig like that, like where you give a scholarship or you had to be a judge on some TV show, or yeah, I kind of started to get offered these roles, and um, it was actually pretty funny. I, I enjoyed the TV experiences uh, overall. Yeah, it's cool. I'd never done anything like that, so it's, it's cool to see into that world. Right, John, it's been fucking lovely to have you on. Been an absolute delight. Thanks for your insight in Vietnam. And yeah, fucking happy travels when we're back to it. I'm sure we can do it all again sometime somewhere else. Fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed. I look, I look forward to seeing you in Sao Paulo. Yeah, we got to do it, man. We got to have some caipirinhas and, uh, and hang out, man. Such a for sure. Have you got anything you want to plug? Have you got like a fucking Instagram account that you want to talk about or a personal product or a little business or side hustle? Yeah, yeah. It would be, um, it would be, uh, Instagram would be learn with John, J-O-N, if you want to learn English. Uh, I've got some videos, some stuff on there. It's, it's, it's kind of at the beginning, but uh, I'll plug it anyway. God. The Two Beers Still Takeoff podcast is performed and edited by Phil and Big Sid. Do you want to see the footage we can't post on Instagram and the stories we can't tell on our podcast? Then if so, please check out our Patreon page. Follow us on our Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook accounts at Two Beers Till Takeoff. All links in the episode notes. All music heard on this podcast is provided by Rocker. You can find more of his work on his Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube account. Again, links in the episode note. A big thank you goes out to Viking Leo K for his voiceover work. I love you.